breaking news of the day. I'm telling you, the best laid plans of my strong and Getty have been thrown aside. So the, the White House released this letter, and now everybody's scrambling to figure out what it means and everything like that. Just this morning, they, here's the actual letter to His Excellency Kim Jong-un, chairman of the State Affairs Commission of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, Pyongyang, dear Mr. Chairman. And, and president of the Spirit Committee. And it's signed at the bottom, sincerely yours, Donald J. Trump. So this is a letter from Donald Trump straight to the fathead leader of North Korea. I'll just read part of it because it's kind of long. But Dear Mr. Chairman, we greatly appreciate your time, patience, and effort with respect to our recent negotiations and discussions relative to a summit long sought by both parties, which was scheduled to take place on June 12th in Singapore. Listen to this part and tell me what it means. Okay. We were informed that the meeting was requested by North Korea, but that to us is totally irrelevant. Is that a Trumpism thing? What was that? We were informed that the... Is that, I mean, is that one of those, I'm afraid somebody else is getting credit for this, but I'm going to let that go or something? I mean... I don't know. That's mystifying. Yeah. Well, it seemed like a classic Trump, but anyway, the huh. rest of it makes sense. I was very much looking forward to being there with you. Sadly, based on the tremendous anger and open hostility displayed in your most recent statement, I feel it is inappropriate this time to have the long-planned meeting. Okay. Therefore, please let this letter serve to represent that the Singapore summit, for the good of both parties, but to the detriment of the world, will not take place. You talk about your nuclear capabilities, but ours are so massive and powerful that I pray to God they will never have to be used. There's a little death, mm. a little death threat for you. That's a little uh, saber rattling. That's, that's, that's what sabers are for. I felt a wonderful dialogue was building up between you and me, and ultimately is only, it is only that dialogue that matters. Someday I look very much forward to meeting you. In the meantime, I want to thank you for the release of the hostages who are now home with their families. That was a beautiful gesture and was very much appreciated. Hostages? That's interesting verbiage in terms of international relations. Wait a minute. No, they were uh, were prisoners. They were uh, enemies of the state. Yeah, yeah, that's it. They were convicts. If you change your mind having to do with this most important summit, please do not hesitate to call me or write. Wow. The world in North Korea in particular has lost a great opportunity for lasting peace and great prosperity and wealth. This missed opportunity is truly a sad moment in history. Sincerely yours, Donald J. Trump. Wow. 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 This is a hell of a development. Listen. 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 Hey, don't shoot. Listen. Ah, I got it. Let me, let me do this. <laughs> so is that uh, Dennis Rodman volunteering to, to, uh-huh. to heal the wounds? Yeah. He to needs, bring to, the party he needs to come back in. Wow. Clearly. Yeah. Bring back Rodman. So here are the comments uh, made by North Korean officials. Yeah. The letter referenced your, your hostile statements. Uh, we can't meet now after you said that. What did they say? Well, here's what so butthurt the president and or uh, made him believe that there was no uh, goodwill to be used. Uh, I mentioned that the uh, North Korean vice foreign minister Cho Senhui referred to, quote, unlawful and outrageous acts by top American officials and said that, uh, the vice president, in quote, made unbridled and impudent remarks that North Korea might end up like Libya. As a person involved in the U.S. affairs, I cannot express, I cannot suppress my surprise at such ignorant and stupid remarks gushing out from the mouth of the U.S. vice president. In case the U.S. offends against our goodwill and clings to unlawful and outrageous acts, I will put forward a suggestion to our supreme leadership for reconsidering the summit. So. So they're showing a picture of Vice President Pence up on CBS this morning. So they must be talking about oh, there's more his role in this. So yeah, it's- yeah, yeah. Well, North Korea really, really reacted to that. Um, did you read exactly what Pence said? I think uh, you did. Yeah. Well, yeah, I read part of it. 
Um, if the United States is trying to drive us into a corner to force our unilateral nuclear abandonment, we will no longer be interested in such dialogue and cannot but reconsider our proceeding to the North Korea-U.S. summit. Well, I think I see their you point. You can't fire me. I quit, said Trump. Can you can you find the... the, the... In his interview Monday, Mr. Pence said, and I quote, You know, as the president made clear, this will only end like the Libyan model ended if Kim Jong-un doesn't make a deal. Well, see... I, I, I am a, I'm a patriot. I stand at the national anthem, football games, the whole thing. But I think we started this little back and forth. I mean, Pence saying that, that that's a pretty provocative thing to say. Well, yeah, Muammar Gaddafi was tortured to death. He was beaten and tortured to death, and his regime fell. You're going to end up like you, that if you don't do what we say is pretty provocative. I don't know if you say that going into a summit. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't. And listen. Was he supposed to say that? Speaking of torturing people and starving them and beating them and imprisoning three generations for the act of one, it's not like North Korea can act like, I I never. I mean, come on. At the same time, I'm not sure there was any need to to bring up Gaddafi, especially given the fact that he'd given up his arms in a treaty, which was one of the reasons he was vulnerable to being overthrown. It's just a terrible example. And listen, if I'm missing something, text us 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC, or if email is more of your groove, it's mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. My question would be, did Bolton and Trump and Pence or whoever come up with this Qaddafi example? Did they think this through as a threat, or is this just... Talking well, off the top of your head, and they made a mistake. Well, you pointed out that Bolton said something about Libya, yeah. what, a week ago? Yeah, or he something? started it. Yeah, I don't, I don't but know. But then Trump walked it back. Yeah, given the importance in Asian culture, and really all cultures, in saving face and saying, yeah, we made a great deal. We made a, such a good deal, I, I went ahead and accepted it on behalf of the people, as opposed to, uh, he made me. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't get why that would be helpful. Bolton said we're using the Libya model. He said that on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace. But he was... Then Trump came out like two days later and said, no, Libya is not the model, which everybody jumped on and said, what is this? I mean, is it or isn't it? Why don't you guys get on the same page? Yeah, which is Um, a legitimate uh, criticism, really. Bolton's a bit of a loose cannon, as is Trump. Well, I still don't know if it's a strategy. Is it a good cop, bad cop? Do you have Bolton and Pence out there saying Libya and Trump... Saying, no, 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 that's not the model. It's not out of the question. But the North Koreans' reaction to it was, screw that. Yeah, yeah. And is it uh, is it really over or not? Well, this is wild. You know, it, it always seemed like a, a surprising development that the two of them are going to get together and shake hands and work it all out. I mean, it was a long shot. The stakes are not small. No. Let's look for a statement from uh, China. That's what she will say. You know, I, I wonder. <laughs> Michael Oslin of the Hoover Institution in a moment or two. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's, uh, uh, yeah, we've talked to uh, Michael on a couple of I occasions. Look at that He's picture. absolutely fabulous uh, analyst of, of Asian matters. You know what I see in that picture what right there? What do you there? see? A serious man. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. He's slumming it here, God knows. So, anyway, that's the uh, that's the headline. Trump calls off. The uh, the summit, because North Korea's latest statement was too mean, because the prior American statement was too mean, which I think it was, was very mean, which makes me sound like a traitor to my nation or something. Well, I don't know. It's, 
criticism of the government is the most cherished, uh, you know, American principle. That and all you can eat buffets. That's cherished. If I'm going into negotiation and somebody says, uh, you know, because if you if you don't, you know, if it doesn't work out for you, you're going to end up dead in the street. Right. So let's sit down now. You, what's <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, wait. What did you just say? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't get what they're trying to do. It is possible, though, and this is something you never hear on talk radio, for better or worse. It's possible there's something highly, highly classified that they know that we don't. And 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 the, the, the Libya reference was an effort to solve a problem we don't know about. Oh, it could be. And and who knows? Maybe even now there's a three-way party line going on between Beijing, Washington, and Pyongyang. I refuse to say Pyongyang to make it sound like I'm enlightened. Um, <laughs> and and they're, they're trying to work that thing out. I don't know. But uh, you're going to end up riding a bayonet down the street, fatty. I mean, does that help? Is that helpful? Certainly doesn't uh, relax me before I walk into a meeting. So we got that mailbag to get to. I want to talk about. I want to talk about a bunch of different stuff. You know, maybe it's because we get so much hate mail or something. I, we don't get a lot, but we get enough. You get inured to it. I, I, that somebody makes a bellicose statement. Uh, I think, oh God, please, just go about my business. I don't. Uh, what's the whole? Uh, uh, how dare you? How dare you? Got an NBA player who's black. Got tased by the cops. Uh, their boss says that the, that they were out of line and tasing the guy. Wow! I, I haven't gotten into the details. Huh? But there's like, uh, yeah, witnesses, video, that whole thing. So, stay tuned. All this coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Why are we playing ABBA? Well, we'll explain that in just a moment. Friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show, Ian Bremmer. On the CBS Early Show, talking about the development with North Korea moments ago. And Michael, can we have audio and on we, the, uh, And we don't have the audio, so and whoops. I can't get it queued up, so it's over. So why is uh, Ian Bremmer tweeting, take a chance on, uh, well, <laughs> why are we playing ABBA? It's because Ian Bremmer just tweeted out the lyrics to take a chance on me from ABBA. If you change your mind, I'm the first in line. Honey, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. I don't know why he's going there. But he's uh, commenting, as many people are, on the development this morning that Donald Trump sent a letter to Fathead in North Korea and said, it's off. Forget Sorry. it. No summit. We're not showing up. Your You're recent s- comments way too uh, belligerent based on our recent belligerent comments, which were followed or preceded by your belligerent comments. So uh, it's off. Anyway, Michael Oslin joins us. Michael is a William Griffiths Research Fellow in Contemporary Asia and Military History and Contemporary Conflict, working group member at the Hoover Institution, uh, and joins us now. Michael, how are you, sir? Doing well. How are you? Excellent. Were you uh, surprised to hear the news this morning? 
No, I mean, look, this this was so unprecedented, the whole uh, summit, that, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if it had gone forward, and I don't think anyone should be surprised that it was called off. You know, the bigger question is, why did North Korea revert to form? You know, uh, it, it was a shocking 180-degree reversal. If you believe that there was actual fundamental change somehow happening inside Pyongyang, you know, why would they... First of all, meet with uh, Secretary of State Pompeo. Why would they have uh, the meeting with the South Korean president, uh, begin to dismantle their nuclear site, and then return to this language that we've become you know, completely numb to over the past 50 years, which is you know, personal insults and threats and the like. So I think what it really reflects is that this whole process was so rushed, it was so... Um, incongruous in certain ways that we we thought that for some reason a, a, a switch had been flipped and that we were putting all our eggs in the basket that this time the North Koreans really meant it. But I think this is a, you know, it's almost a welcome and salutary lesson that with the North Koreans, nothing is as it ever seems. Well, I think there was a fair amount of caution going in that that might be the case. But uh, let's talk about, well, the North Koreans stated reason uh, for blasting the U.S., which led to Trump then canceling the summit, allegedly, is um, that uh, Mike Pence's comments about Libya recently were way over the line. What do you think of that play? That strikes us as kind of a a, a dumb strategy that why did, Pence and why Bolton did, yeah, pursued. Why did we have the Secretary of State and Vice President both bringing up uh, Libya as an example when that guy ended up dead in the street? Yeah, well, it was. I think John Bolton was the first one to bring it up, and they lambasted John Bolton right away. As did actually the South Koreans. Um, it, you know, it's. I think it was the idea on the part of the administration that they were going to maintain maximum pressure on Pyongyang until they got to the table and until they got an agreement. And of course, even in the very early days when Trump was beginning to to say, well, this might not happen, he was saying, um, and if it doesn't, we're going to keep up our maximum pressure. And that's always been the approach of the administration is, is why are we different from the Obama people? Because we're willing to put this pressure on the North Koreans. And in, and in another, from another perspective, that's actually what this cancellation does. This cancellation sends a message that we are not so desperate for this meeting right. that we will take anything that you say. But, you know, you said there was always doubt going in. I, I actually don't think there was a lot of doubt early on. I, th- I think the administration went, went sort of full in saying, you know, this, this is, you know, this is a significant change. This is going to happen. And, you know, we're, we're just trying to, you know, nail down the, the, the details and the location of it. But I, I was surprised by how far they seem to be, caught up with the idea that this actually was the thing that we've all been waiting for, which was supposedly a serious North Korea to come to the table. Then, right, in the past couple of weeks, we've seen more soberness creep in. But what's interesting, actually, is what the White House, uh, I think, identified, and, and actually the president himself said, why is North Korea beginning to act bad again? Well, it happened right after they met China. And so I think there's something actually to look at there, which is what's going on between Beijing and Pyongyang, what agreements or understandings have been reached and what deals may have been given to uh, to North Korea, because you did see this flip in North Korean behavior right after these China meetings uh, you know, began to happen more regularly. Well, and Trump tweeted just the other day that the border has gotten porous again between North Korea and China, and he was upset about that. Yeah, but now, you know, I think the border's always been porous. I mean, the idea that this border was ever shut really uh, belies 
an understanding of what happens and all of the opaqueness that's there and, and, and the degree to which even Beijing understands all of the different companies and actors that are going back and forth. So I think that border was always porous. In diplomacy, look, when, when you don't want to, to, uh, you know, to create waves and rock the boat, you, you let things slide and you, you don't highlight things when you don't need to. It's when things are not going well that you bring back into the sort of public attention all the things that you know have been going on, and that includes the border. So mm. I, I need a direct answer, though. Do you think that Libya rhetoric was dumb, and or do you think it's at all significant and really played a role like North Korea is claiming? You know, it's it's a great question. I don't I don't think it was dumb. I think if you accept the logic, at least as I understand of what the administration was trying to do, it fits with the logic, which is to say the only reason that the North Koreans are coming to the table in the first place is because we're putting pressure on them and we're reminding them uh, of what can happen if they don't come to the table. That that was the play that they made. Yeah, but to I bring think, up a country that, that willingly yeah. disarmed and got overthrown seems like an odd strategy. I Look, it, for all of us who were saying that, you know, you really can't expect the North Koreans to denuclearize um, over the past couple of years, we've been saying this, when they have the Saddam Hussein and Muammar Gaddafi example in mind, then yeah, you would say, you know, you don't remind them of it, at least certainly not publicly. You might want to remind them privately of it. I think the other argument that diplomatists would make is that uh, as you get close to to your meeting, as you get close to really achieving the thing that you want to achieve, you know, you don't have to keep pushing in the same way that, that you were you know, let things just sort of continue of their own momentum. And, and, you know, you don't have to throw a spanner into the works. Um, But again, you know, the calculation is, were the North Koreans really genuine in all of this? Uh, What did the White House understand of what's been going on behind the scenes between Beijing and Pyongyang? And what they wanted to do was send that message that, look, don't think that we're not going to keep the pressure on you. That's why we want to get you to the table. Well, that's a hell of a thing, though. You know, like you said, why did they? Why did North Korea go through all this stuff? Why did they have the journalists on the train ride? Why did they go meet with who? I mean, why did they go through all this stuff? So we'll, we'll see, I guess. And and it's so curious that the president just this morning on Fox and Friends said we'd like them to, to immediately denuclearify, but maybe phases would be better for them or more workable. So we're willing to talk about that. It was very conciliatory. And then this letter, it's odd. Sure, and that was the reality of how these negotiations probably would have played out, you know, was, and, that, and that's good, right? The, the, the White House, if it went for the Reykjavik solution, which is let's get rid of these things in one fell swoop, that grand bargain would have entailed some type of major concession on the part of the United States. The phased approach is obviously the one that, that the, the diplomats prefer. It allows you to go slower and to really carefully assess at each stage what's going on. The flip side, of course, is that you may never actually get anything get anything done. Look, right. you know, this, and I'm sorry, we have we barely have 20 seconds left. Right, so look, the conciliation and the hard line, they've gone together with the Trump administration from the very beginning. They may have overreached, but that was the way they thought they could make a change versus all the other administrations before them. Michael Oslin of the Hoover Institution, uh, we thank you very much for the thoughts. Great to talk to you. Anytime. Yeah. Do they get back to the table? Uh, good question. Oh, what do you got coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the U.S.-North Korea summit's off, as we've been telling you. We've got more background on that. And Amazon apologizing for an Alexa misstep that could affect you. Coming up minutes from now. Am I at risk? 
<laughs> wow. I was really looking forward to that summit. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Got another one of your N-word controversies. Actually, there's a couple of them out there. Your boy. Um, with uh, a white girl singing along with a song. That one, there's there's a video of it. She was invited on stage by a black rapper and started singing the words of the song, and now she's in trouble for singing the words of the song. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You've got to be mentally ill to think that she did something wrong there. Well. You, seriously, get help. Uh, and another one, but maybe we'll get to those at some point. Always entertaining. Oh, that's one <laughs> word for it. Right. Let's right. get to the news now with Marshall Phillips. As we've been telling you, President Trump calling out the summit with North Korea's Kim Jong-un. The president saying the great leader should not hesitate to call me or write if he changes his mind about their now-canceled summit. The letter the president... Dear President Trump, I am so sorry for our recent spat. TTL, Trump said. The letter the president sent to the North Korean leader said, in part, sadly, based on the tremendous anger and open hostility displayed in your recent statement, we must put off the meeting. In that statement he's referring to, the North Korean government referred to Vice President Pence as a political dummy for suggesting the country may end up like Libya if it doesn't move forward with denuclearization. North Korea adding, it is just as ready to meet in a nuclear confrontation as at the negotiating table. No, you're not. That'd be a... <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Seriously, you're going to nuke one of our cities. Please. What's interesting is during this Fox & Friends interview this morning, President Trump had been saying North Korea may actually be allowed to give up its nuclear weapons in phases. He was throwing this out. We're going to see. I'd like to have it done immediately. But, you know, physically, a phase-in may be a little bit necessary. It would have to be a rapid phase-in. So he said that a couple of hours before they released the yeah, letter, which yes, he had certainly yeah. had written. Right. So did he get off the air with Fox and Fiends? And, and, and somebody said, hey, did you hear the latest thing the North Koreans said? It was crazy. And he read it and got angry or what? Hmm. Oh, or is there something going on behind the scenes uh, involving China, as our recent guest uh, right. brought up? I, I will say this about the, the various politicians and academics that we discuss with the uh, they don't have much experience with negotiating big things. They just don't. A lot of the stuff Trump does sounds familiar to me from deals we've had with agents and companies. Yep. <laughs> and and I don't think most of these academics and politicians have ever done any of that, ever, yeah. in their lives. They might have studied the past uh, diplomatic deals. But those tend, and we were talking about this earlier in the show, those tend to follow some fairly predictable patterns of rhetoric and Mm -hmm. behavior and schedule and the rest of it. And this is more Trumpian slash Unian. Meanwhile, it's just different. It's wacky. Meanwhile, during that interview on uh, Fox, uh, Trump uh, fired back again on FBI Director James Comey in an interview or in that interview. And the FBI is a fantastic institution, but some of the people at the top were rotten apples. James Comey was one of them. I've done a great service for this country by getting rid of him. Yeah, wow. I jumped onto the tweeter to see what uh, Trump was tweeting about this morning, and it was Comey and Clapper. Yeah, we got to get to Clapper's statement, yeah. which is uh, the most um, over-the-top, 
strongest. I'll just say strongest. The strongest statements anybody's made yet about Russia's involvement in our presidential election. He does have a book out, though, so you have to factor that in. No, please. People tend to make really strong statements when they have books out. And then they usually, during the interviews, they walk them back. That's usually what happens. I can't wait to write my book. Oh, the stuff I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not for the meek. (laughs) Amazon's apologizing to a Portland, Oregon woman after her Alexa device recorded a private conversation and sent it out to someone on her family's contact list. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) That can happen? Earlier this month, the woman... At Amazon, we do not listen to private conversations. We, we just record them and send them to your friends. <laughs> to people in your contact list. <laughs> yeah. Which we took from you without you knowing. Earlier this month, a woman and her husband got a call from someone who works for her husband. The employee said he'd gotten a recording of a private conversation in the couple's home. Holy crap. The couple told Amazon what happened, and the company apologized and said its engineers would fix the problem. What the wagon? All right, here's here's your ethical uh, dilemma of the morning. If you get butt-dialed and you hear the person who butt-dialed you in a conversation, do you listen or do you hang up immediately? Hmm. I write it till the battery dies. <laughs> There's one point of view. Same here. <laughs> I think it depends on who it is. Yes. If if it could only be humorous somehow, I have I have hung with it. Yes. But it like, almost never is, though. It's always disappointing. But oh, yeah. go on. But yeah. but if it if it was somebody, I mean, could even possibly get into something I shouldn't know. I, I I'm out. Right. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, in theory. <laughs> in the NBA playoffs, the Boston Celtics have a three games to two lead in the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals after beating the Cavs ninety six to eighty three. Cavaliers forward LeBron James brings his photographic memory into play. Recalling the game, Sean? My first turnover, I tried to, I saw something happening, and uh, Marcus did a good job. Marcus Morris did a great job of reading it, threw it up ahead to Kev. He picked it off. My second turnover, I went baseline, lost lost my footing on Marcus Morris, another turnover. One in transition to Jeff Green, I thought I you know, put it on his hands, and he kind of fumbled it. Um, wish I could have that one back. I maybe bounced past that one. Um, had a backdoor one to, to swish. Wow. Uh, it hit his hands. I maybe should have not thrown that one. It was a little bit in traffic. Al Horford was right there, but it hit swish hands. But maybe should have took that one back. That That is incredible. I That's saw, amazing. The other night when I was still watching sports, I saw him after the game. <laughs> Tuesday? The game they won. Yeah, yeah Tuesday. And uh, and he said, yeah, I had seven turnovers. So, and I thought, how did you know that? Did you take a look at the stats? No. Because he played to the end of the game. And I thought, well, no, he remembers... He remember he not only knows how many he remembers the specific instance going back to two hours ago. It, it reminds me very much of what NFL quarterbacks often say about getting more experience and getting more comfortable. They say the game slows down. Still They're not be, overwhelmed by the motion and the speed. Now they see all of it, and it's clear to them. Well, it's pretty slow to me as a viewer. I'm under no pressure, and I can't remember what happened. <laughs> that's 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 a, this phenomenal. How much of that factors into his abilities? Just his memory. Right. Oh, yeah, that's got to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, this is a new flex that he's kind of doing it. Uh, I've seen it a couple times this postseason where a reporter will ask a very specific question. He's like, okay, you want to get specific? Accessing memory banks and right. just right. regurgitates that's the incredible. sense of the play-by-play now, now log. at some point, he's going to describe every single individual dribble, and <laughs> that'll be too much. I right, inhaled long, and exhaled. I wonder how long he holds on to that information, how many games or years back he can go. and 
and do he that. He probably has a database, and he takes a look at the statistics, tendencies, etc., issues a report, and moves forward. <laughs> there you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. So, which direction? Are we going to get to uh, more mailbag? That, that certainly could. That I mean, Alexa thing should not get short shrift. Yes. No. Holy cow! Yes. But call an extra shrift. That's a shocking story. Oh, that's interesting. I just saw one of uh, Woody Allen's sons is saying the allegations are completely false. That's um, interesting. About Woody Allen? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so Alexa can... <laughs> no, about Alexa. <laughs> I'm Alexa. sorry, about Woody Allen. <laughs> Alexa can and does record conversations sometimes. And send them to your friends. <laughs> Not uh, good. God dang it. There's nobody... I don't care what kind of life you're living where that's good. Especially given the uh, great modern craze of taking a private statement right. and pretending it was a public statement right. and judging it, you know, thereby. Holy cow. Son of a bitch. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show. How you doing? Long time listeners of the show uh, will know exactly what I'm talking about. I am so excited. KFED is back in the news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Federline, Britney Spears' boy toy back in the day, who was half of some of our favorite tape of all time. 20 years of, this is, this is our 20th anniversary this summer of doing this show. Um, that, that one prominent radio executive said that show won't last six weeks. Um, but the K-Fed Britney tapes, some of my favorite tapes we have ever played, in which the two stoned simpletons were discussing such issues as time travel, and uh, I can't even remember the rest of it. Um, Michael? Have you ever seen Back to the Future? Mm-hmm. Is that possible? For time, tra- travel speed? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is, Kenny. Okay, but not that we know of. Maybe, pe- I think people can do that. I think some people are ahead of us. <laughs> is it possible to time travel speed? <laughs> If you're high enough, it is, apparently. Yes, it is, Kevin. Some people are ahead of us. Some people, I are, think ahead. Some people are ahead of us. <laughs> God bless you, Michael. How did you have that at hand so quickly? He's the father of her children, though, right? So. Uh, he, well, yeah, and that actually relates to uh, to some of this. But Yeah, and those tapes, uh, enjoyable as they were, also revealed the fact that uh, he was the smart one. Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah, her backup dancer, who they ended up being together for a little while. Well, uh, K-Fed back in the news, he's seeking $60,000 a month for child support, which is three times what he's getting now. Uh, God, there he is wearing a apparently a squid on his head and a hoodie next to a couple of uh, barely clothed strippers promoting something or other. Oh, it's a strip club. Uh, wow. Well, that wow. explains the strippers. Mm. Ry- royalties from his song, Popo Zow, aren't paying his bills, apparently, so he's officially made a play for more funds from his ex-wife, Brittany Spears. Um, 
is getting 20 G a month to support their two sons, Sean Preston and Jaden James, ages 12 and 11. So he got custody of the kids. Yeah. You know, if she is making Forbes recently estimated Britney's annual income at thirty four million dollars a year. Um, the gist of his argument is their agreement was worked out in 2007 when she was making a lot less money and he was making significantly more. For those wondering what exactly he does these days, well, the one-time backup dancer is a DJ and, yeah. and now uh, a father of six. Ooh. Two from his pre-Britney girlfriend, two post-Britney with his second wife, whose name is not important. Um. He makes less than 1% of her annual earnings. Well, that's, that's so does everybody. Yeah. Oh, he's he's making about 3 grand a month. That's his problem. Yeah. Well, it's the kids' problem too. You need more money. He's getting 20,000 a month, they'll be all right. But 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 mom is raking in the cash. So, what's that got to do with anything? What do you mean? She got to support her kids. $20,000 a month will support your kids. But she's making $34 million a year. She doesn't have to, uh, you know, uh, upgrade her kids' uh, uh, gruel from, you know, gruel boys to Captain Gruel. I mean, she did they, they maybe a nice, maybe they need new tennis shoes. 20000 a month, wow. So what's your view of child support? You're expressing a, a less than, well, not less than, a somewhat not mainstream view of the thing. So she goes on and starts making more money. She should be giving more money. What's the what's the theory on that? To the kids, if that is what the, child support is. But it doesn't go to the kids. It goes to him, and then he spends it however the hell he wants on hookers, apparently. Or well, no, he's married. Well, who am I to say that? I mm. apologize, Kevin. That was unfair. Just because you pose with them doesn't mean you get with them. Anyway, good to have him back in the news. The awesome. great K-Fed. So uh, we'll get to this story at some point. There's a G-rated movie that's coming out. It's a kid's movie called Show Dogs, and they had to remove some scenes from the dog, from the dog, from the movie about the dogs uh, because it encouraged pedophilia or something. That's a confusing story. That's me, right, so. Jack. Parents are barking about the scene, scene in previews. <laughs> don't, don't say that. <laughs> Parents are barking. They're howling for an edit. I am. Uh, they they think the scene uh, like uh, aids in grooming kids for for sexual abuse. I don't. I haven't actually seen the story. I just saw the headline. I'm wondering if it's a uh, you know. Do you want to come see my puppy thing? No, it, and the kids end up seeing a cute puppy. I don't know. I, I've read it. Okay. I think they might have a case. All right. We'll get to Sean that. Sean is more working later. the child abuse. Uh, child. Uh, you know. Whatever. And got a and grooming. I, and I also believe that it was it was very believable to me that it was no it will like it seemed very innocent, but through the context in which they're describing it, I, I see their point. It was unintentional. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, God, I'd hope. And yes. a, I don't, <laughs> unintentional, as opposed to Disney intentionally grooming children to be like sexually abused. I mean, the mouse is evil. I've said that a thousand times, but I don't think he's that evil. A hotel's canceled. It's. Uh, a group that was going to try to set the record for the largest orgy at their hotel, and they oh, got boy. wind of that and decided, and we don't want you. We don't want you to do it here. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, that is. I can't imagine. I don't get the sort of person that would find that alluring. I just don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Yay! Yeah. There's a whole bunch of us. Orgies more should of be us. no more than fourteen people. I mean, be reasonable. <laughs> Good, you have strict guidelines on That's that, right? God. So I was getting laid a lot. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, right. Yeah, Reynolds, <laughs> what a phony you are. Go to hell or somewhere. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, so, super bonus mailbag. We, we're, well, the, the, the show's gotten thrown completely off by the giant North Korean summit being uh, canceled uh, story. So, there's a, we could do five shows today. It's amazing. All the stuff I have to talk about, all the things that are going on in the world. But uh, Alert listener Don has uh, pointed out that we, the 24th ranked talk show in America, are, are tied in terms of popularity with Sunchip's multi-grain French onion, which is the 24th most popular snack chip. Mm, still seems um, high. I, uh, I actually have, if you'd like, the, the list of the most popular snack chips. But What is the no- I'm kind of interested in what number one is. Okay. I'll give you your top three. Oh, I, it's, I, I try not to eat snack chips. So. I'm guessing Dorito. Oh, it's it's God. They rank them. They count them down, which is perfectly reasonable. I'm Shelby's guessing a regular reasonable. old Lay's potato chips pretty high up there. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm scrolling down like a like a chip eater right here. All right, number four, Lay's potato chips, classic. There you go. That's my favorite chip. If I'm going to eat a chip, number three. Wait, what was what was what what what? Oh, this is ranked by I think a website. Number three is. Ruffles deep ridged bacon and cheddar loaded potato no, skins. No, it's not. Okay, so this isn't some first sort of, of popularity. Not, this is first of all, that's not a chip. <laughs> what? Um. Uh, oh, that's oh, that's the worst chip. I'm sorry. Okay, that's how that's laid out. So the best is according to them, Lay's oven baked potato crisps original. Okay. Uh, number two, Tostitos oven baked scoops. Three, pop chips, potato chips, sea salt. Yeah, I don't know. No, this is this is a dumb ranking. I'm sorry. I, I it's like a Marshall story. Uh, yeah, it is like a Marshall story. Going to a bad website. You so, know, I'm sorry. I'm deeply, deeply sorry. The <laughs> former DNI James Clapper, who is a big deal, says that He's a the, big phony says the Russians actually turned the election for Trump, which is the strongest statement anybody at, at that at, at a level like that has made yet. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit coming on. I'd rather eat a big bag of Tostitos oven-baked scoops than listen to Clapper.